Hello and welcome to Smashbox TV's podcast, Unsanctioned. I am your host, Johnny V. Uh, hey guys, if you're enjoying this podcast, please consider going out to patreon.com slash smashbox TV and just give a little bit of support. A little bit of support can go a long way with some of this stuff and it keeps me keeps me enthralled to keep doing this for everybody. But now that we talked about how we make this stuff happen, let me introduce my guest on this week's show. You may recognize her as the voice on PDGA Radio Podcast. Her name is Sarah Lamberson. Sarah, how are you doing tonight? Pretty good. You you may be hearing some thunderbolts and lightning uh, right outside my window, so apologies for that. But yeah, I'm doing pretty good. Well, then I can blame the uh, the drums that my daughter is playing on your thunder and lightning, and no one will know the difference. Yes, that works out perfectly. <laughs> All right. So as everyone knows, what we do here is we kind of dig into the, the psyche of our the people in the sport of disc golf by going through some of these really in-depth quizzes that we find on the internet with such wonderful <laughs> topics as, if you were a vowel, which one would you be? Ooh. Yeah. So I listened to, to AJ and Hannah's interview and I was like kind of anxious this entire week. I was like, what, what BuzzFeed quiz is he's going to pick for me? Yeah. Did you go out and I look like at some one. of them? No, I didn't want to ruin it. Oh, good. I didn't want to ruin the fun. That's what I'm afraid of is that uh, as we start doing this, players are going to kind of start going out and seeing. And I've got a whole list of about 50 quizzes right now from the past like eight weeks that I'm just yeah. like, pick and choose who I want. So. So we're going to start out with, as I said, if you were a vowel, which one would you be? <laughs> hmm. Question number oh one. Gosh. What is your favorite color? Blue, purple, yellow, red, green, or black? See, I already know. Wait, can I state what vowel I think I would be? Just yeah, right let's the do that. Yeah, so- the quiz? Okay. Because I heard AJ did that with his emoji quiz, and I was... Yeah, um, I think I would be Y because I'm I feel like I'm quite the chameleon. So you always do, you know, it's it's all the vowels plus sometimes Y, sometimes Y, like, sometimes Y, but maybe it's sometimes not Y. So I feel like I could straddle the line between vowel and consonant. All right. What are your thoughts on that? <laughs> I'm is Y even an, is Y even a, an answer? I'm going to. I'm going to guess that it is because I looked at Herzl? some of the que- I looked at some of these questions and there might be a hint of that later on. Ooh. As far as is why, but okay, so we're going to go with why. So you're not a okay. traditional you're not a traditional vowel. Are you? Would you consider yourself more of a, tra- a traditional person? Not at all. Do you know me? I do. Hey, I know you very well. Some of our <laughs> viewers and listeners may not. This is where I set up questions for you. Perfect. <laughs> uh, no, I I feel like. If someone were to call me a traditional person or let's say basic, I would be pretty offended. I try to be the non the most non-basic person ever. I don't try to be. I I feel like I embody the most non-basic person. I have never I, I have never heard someone in real conversation use the term basic for a person, but I've heard it on yeah. uh, I've heard it in songs, I've heard it on television shows, I've heard it on movies. Uh, well, so here, so here's some context, and here's actually one, one reason why I may be basic. They say that that basic, we'll use the word women or girls like uh, pumpkin spice lattes as soon as September first hits, like as soon as the fall season comes around, and uh, or or you're basic if you wear 
leggings wherever you go. And I do both of those things. I like I like pumpkin spice. I don't get the lattes. I get just pumpkin spice coffee. And I'm wearing leggings right now. So you can't follow me for that. My my <laughs> daughter has a drawer full of clothes, pants, and they're all leggings. That's all she yeah. wears. She's seven years old, and that is all she wears. I have to struggle to get her into jeans. And even then, usually I get about one leg in and I give up. I'm like, all right, we'll go we'll go to the we'll go to the nice little tights, the LuLaRoe or whatever they're called these days. Those, <laughs> yeah. So if it were more acceptable in our society for men to wear leggings like women do, you would be wearing them every day of your life. My son wears them. My wife got my son a couple pairs and he'll wear them underneath of his uh like uh gym shorts. He oh, loves yeah. it. it. It's like an extra layer of warmth and it's it's not quite as awkward, I would yeah. say, and uh, and he loves it. He does, and it's, I could see wearing them up here in the winter as just another layer, kind of like uh, my Under Armour almost. Yeah, I would say they're life changing, especially now that they make ones with uh, high waisted ones and pockets. Those are absolutely life changing. Pockets. Yeah, they've got pockets that you they're big enough for a cell phone or wallet keys, anything like that. Okay, I guess I yeah. can see. Yeah, something something small so that the the fitness of the pants doesn't bulge out in awkward ways a lot of times it's a mesh a mesh pocket so it's kind of see-through but still pretty streamlined life-changing i'm I'm not gonna lie i'm probably not gonna go out and run out and get a pair of uh, tights okay but but i'll I'll, I'll keep my eye out i'll definitely maybe when they start selling at my local kohl's i'll take a look in the the men's department <laughs> oh, okay, maybe not. Definitely not in the men's department at this point, but maybe soon. Do you have any awesome? <laughs> are you more of a uh, a flat black type of legging, or is it patterned? Um, it kind of depends on my mood. I've got this one pair from Old Navy, who I think sells the best leggings. They make they call them squat proof leggings. So if you're really into fitness, like I am, and you do lots of squats, and you're with a lot of other people, a lot of uh, cheap leggings tend to be see through, which is not. Not so great to find out when you don't think they're see-through and someone happens to tell you that they can see like the full pattern of your underwear, which has happened to me. So the old navy leggings are squat proof, and I just got this pair that's black with blue stars on them. And it's not an obnoxious pattern, it's kind of subtle. But yeah, they're they're my favorite. I'm tr- I'm trying Check to think if you fit more into the uh subtle pattern. Where, you know, hey, it's there, but I'm not going to draw attention to myself. Or if you're going to, if you would lean more towards clearly the, like a very big, bright pattern, more of a, uh, uh, was it a devil may care attitude? Like just a whatever. <laughs> it, it really depends on my mood, honestly. Or if I'm at a disc golf tournament, so this just happened. Wow. We haven't even gotten to the first question that's yet. That's fine. I apologize. No, that's, uh, that's great. <laughs> This happened at Idlewild, the Disc Golf Pro Tour event last year. I only brought shorts and short sleeve shirts, and I get there and it was cold and rainy and gross out, and so I had to go out to a store and buy a pair, of, a couple pairs of pants to play. And there were very limited choices this time of year, and I ended up buying a pair of, uh, I think they're, it's got like roses, like red roses and green leaves over a zebra pattern. Ugh. So. Ve- I see the face that you're making and I don't appreciate it. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I assume... didn't. I know they're ve- they're extremely, extremely obnoxious and I would not have bought them except out of sheer necessity. 
but I didn't end up having to wear them because I wore the other pair of pants that I bought and then it warmed up a little bit. And I was kind of thankful for that because I, I was prepared to step out in them in public, but I never got the chance. So maybe you'll see them on tour this year. I was going to ask, have you worn them out disc golfing or out in public yet? I've worn them in public, but not to play disc golf. So we'll see. Well, this year, look for Sarah out on the disc golf (laughs) tour in her zebra uh, rose leaf (laughs) leggings. Yes. Yes. I'll be I'll be expecting to see that on the women's coverage of Idlewild. (laughs) Maybe. Yeah, maybe I'll bring them back. (laughs) (laughs) All right. What is your favorite color? Blue, purple, yellow. Red, green, or black? Uh, see, I'm going to be so difficult because my favorite color is actually turquoise or teal. So that would be a mixture of blue and green. But if I had to pick one, I would go with green. Um, I, I think that comes from I love the environment and green just screams nature to me. So as it yeah. should, I would hope green. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So let's let's go with green. For at least another, what, they say 20 years, green will be perfect. And then after 20 years, we'll see what happens with the environment. Yeah. Oh, my uh, gosh. Awkward. Yeah. Yeah. Which celeb would you like to meet IRL in real life <laughs> for those people are not familiar with the internet language these days? Jay-Z, Cher, Oprah, Beyonce, Madonna, Rihanna. It's All a pretty right. lit- There's a really weird reason for this. Uh, okay. I don't know why we're talking about pants or lack of pants in this example so much so far in this conversation. But the one that stuck out to me, so I, Jay-Z doesn't, he's not super compelling, a super compelling choice to me. But Oprah is the only one who wears pants all the time in public. And I've made this comment to several people that there's all these women, uh, all these female singers now who perform like pantsless. It's like they're wearing leotards with sure. like tights and high boots. And I've I've definitely seen Cher, Beyonce, Madonna, and Rihanna all do that. And I don't really get it. Like <laughs> you're just putting all your stuff out there for everybody to see. And I, yeah, they're all beautiful women and they have confidence to do it. But it's just it's a really weird style. To me that everyone has jumped on the bandwagon for. I can kind of understand a little bit with some of the dancing and such that some of them do. You want to make sure that you're not, you're not going to have a, a Lenny Kravitz incident where he goes and squats <laughs> down in the front of his, the crotch yeah. of his pants, just rip wide open and everything's there for, for viewing. So I guess I can kind of <laughs> understand the leotard with, with something, but yeah, I don't know if I've ever seen Oprah in anything other than pants. Yeah. Or a very beautiful dress on the red carpet or something. Sure. Um, yeah, I feel like Oprah would have the most wisdom to share with me. And she's she's like a mother figure. I, I think I would feel immediately comfortable around her. The other ones I would I would feel pretty intimidated by. So let's go with Oprah because she wears pants. <laughs> and, and she probably wears leggings, too. <laughs> <laughs> More than likely. And for what yeah. it's worth, I'm sure Oprah has... Pretty good singing chops, but the rest of these are all musicians. Oprah is not primarily a musician. Yeah, exactly. Pick a first date spot. A nice restaurant. My house. The movies. Starbucks. The park. Or an ice skating rink. Hmm. Let's see. I know which ones I would not choose, and that immediately would be in the movies, because you can't talk to each other. That's awkward. 
And if you do, then you're just annoying everybody else around you. So that's an immediate no. Um, a nice restaurant, I feel like that would be most people's first choice. But there's just think about, have you ever been on a first date at a restaurant? Yes. Okay. Were there any awkward parts about it? Yes, very yeah, much. Like, like, you don't know if the other person's going to order it. Like, you're really hungry and you want to get an appetizer, but you don't want to seem like a pig. And so you don't. Or you don't know if you should order an adult beverage. Or I feel like there's a lot of judgment around what types of food and how much food you order. And that could make one self-conscious. Maybe it's more of a female thing. Maybe. I th- I think what I would be nervous about and what I think I was nervous about at the time is we went to, it was like an Italian restaurant called the Twisted Fork on the one of the last first dates I had before I met my wife. Mm-hmm. And it was, I ordered the spaghetti, which I guess later on I read is the worst first date <laughs> food because all you're sitting there doing is slurping noodles and getting spaghetti sauce all over your face. Did you not do the lady in the tramp move? No, not on the first date, Sarah. <laughs> oh, Come on. Such a good <laughs> I'm, boy. I'm a gentleman. Yes. <laughs> uh, no, we didn't, did not try that, but I don't recall. And I will say this, it was the only date. So it, it was a okay. one date and done date and nothing. It was the spaghetti. It, it was probably the spaghetti. The, probably the spaghetti. <laughs> and, and it's really, uh, eating at a restaurant, it's always awkward because you want to sit and talk, but you also want to stuff your face with good food. Exactly. And yeah. the last thing you want to do is talk with food in your mouth. That's gross. Right. And and then, of course, when the server brings the bill, like, I am an empowered female, and I'm not just going to be like, oh, well, you're the man, and you should pay. So I'm always going to offer to pay half, but there's that awkward conversation about that. And I, I, just, I just think at a restaurant, there's too much pressure and judgment that could happen. Plus, there's other people... If you're at a good restaurant where there other people are there, there's lots of people around you and I don't know, lots of lots of things could go wrong. Yeah, it depends on the restaurant, of course, because it could be yeah. really noisy. It could be quiet. It could be, you know, there, there's a, there's a, a mood possibly yeah. set that maybe you're not comfortable with. If it's a if it's a nicer restaurant, maybe it's a romantic mood. I've gone to restaurants where suddenly it's karaoke night and you don't realize you're like, oh, this is not fun because I can't hear anybody. I came here to have fun and talk with people and now I can't hear anybody. But yeah, you've you've got a group of people there and it's hard to nobody wants to make a different decision. Right. And if you're in Nashville, there's live music everywhere. So you either have to not talk or attempt to talk over them. How far from Nashville are you? We live. So if you were to look at the map, it looks like we would be about 10 minutes from downtown. but the Cumberland river snakes around so many times and there's no bridge. Like we live directly across from downtown, but we either have to go 10 minutes North to hit 65 or 10 minutes South to hit 40. So we're like directly in the middle. So to get downtown, it takes us about 20 minutes. That's not too bad. Yeah, We're in a little, a little suburb. Um, okay. Other places I would nix from the list. Starbucks, same thing. Yep. Um, are you going to bring someone back to your house on a first date when it says my house would you bring someone back to your house for a first date no no I wouldn't I I can't imagine that I just feel like there's there's, yeah as a female especially just safety reasons like you don't know this person and now they know where you live not cool let's see what else Um, ice skating so I guess I was I was 
narrowing it down to the park and an ice skating rink. And an ice skating rink logistically just may not work because it may be the summer. So there may not be an ice skating rink available for use. Unless you live in Milwaukee, we've got the Pettit Center and there's an ice rink indoors year round. That's true. But I feel like there's also pressure there because uh, a lot of people, a lot of couples hold hands when they're ice skating. And if you're not feeling it, but the other person is, maybe they want to hold your hand. You're like, nah, dude, I just want to skate on my own. Yeah. And that could be, I would assume both people know how to ice skate. Otherwise, then it does get a little awkward. Like, oh, no, I'm a pretty good ice skater. You're not. Come on out. And then there's there's it's going to lead to a lot of. Uh, like physical contact and lifting yeah. and pushing and holding and maybe someone's not uh, interested in that. Yeah. Also injuries. I'm ex- extremely accident prone. <laughs> I'm not terrible at ice skating, but I'm not, I'm not a figure skater by any means, but I feel like I could get my fingers chopped off in an ice skating rink pretty easily. So there's always the risk of that. <laughs> okay. So I guess we've narrowed it down to the park, which makes perfect sense because I am frequently in parks throwing discs. <laughs> yeah. And and that's actually where Sean and I met at at a disc golf course. So at a disc golf tournament nonetheless, correct? At a disc golf tournament, yes. And Terry Miller was present for it. Which, you will never let me live that down. Which Amworlds was that? It was 2014 in Minnesota. Minnesota. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Good time. Good times. All right, let's pick somewhere to go on vacation. You just got back from an extensive trip all over Europe from what I saw. So you might have a little bit more insight. Uh, Would you go to Milan, Los Angeles, New Orleans, New York City, Tokyo, or London? All right. From process of elimination, I lived in New Orleans for a little while, so I, I got that one. New York City, been there. So I'm from Philadelphia originally, so I've been to New York several times so that's a no la is actually on my short list of places to go i've surprisingly have never been to la i've only i've only been to california twice now but i wouldn't i that's the sort of place where i would wait to see if there was a marketing conference there and then it would be on my company's dime hopefully to go (laughs) and then i would you know see some friends and family while i'm out there um Milan, hmm. Yeah, you've eliminated all the U.S. stops at this point. Yeah, because those are accessible. I mean, I could I could book a ticket to L.A. tomorrow if I wanted to. But I think I would go to Tokyo. And Sean and I were actually talking about this, that we've got a couple other destinations on our short list over the next few years, but I would really like to go to Japan. And he's been there before. He's played the Japan Open. Uh, and I, I would just really love to, I've never experienced Asian culture like that. Um, so I would, I would really like to do that. And I like, I like to eat sushi of the the veggie variety of the veggie (laughs) variety. Yeah. We went, uh, I I was fortunate enough to go to the 2010 Japan open and we spent, we spent a night in Tokyo. We got, you know, we, we, the, we went from the highlands down to Tokyo. I think we got there at like five, four or five o'clock, checked into our hotel and just, dropped our bags and said, let's go find anything in Tokyo. So we found, yeah. I think we went to the Rapungi district, which is uh, the, I mean, we were much younger, but it was the, the dance and bar district. Okay. And it was, it, it was really, it was interesting and it was fun. And 
I wish I could have seen more parts of Tokyo because I heard all the different districts have all these really crazy things. But the Rapungi district was it was interesting. It's a it's a culture change there, and it's I, I highly recommend it for anyone that gets a chance. At least go check it out. Tokyo is there any is, place is there any place in the U.S. that you would compare your experience with there? No, I've been <laughs> all over the U.S. for disc golf, and. It's such a different atmosphere there. And part of it, I think, is just because uh, w- that we were foreigners. But we we walked into the bar and they were playing American music. And there's all these people there. And we walked onto the dance floor with a drink. And within, mm-hmm. it had to be 10 seconds, we were surrounded by uh, Japanese women. Just Ooh. like, I, and at first I'm thinking like, oh, this is a lot of fun, whatever. And, <laughs> uh, but ultimately we found out that they are paid by the bar to get you to buy them drinks. So you, so there's like a bunch of them and they're there to, uh, make you have fun and buy more drinks and buy them drinks because it was a constant barrage of, oh, have another drink. Let's go get drinks, drinks for yeah. you, drinks for us. It, it was, uh. It was it was fun, but once you found that out, it was a little bit awkward because you're like, so I'm, I w- I'm good. <laughs> yeah, so I wasn't going to say this, but since you brought that up, um, the, <laughs> I've actually heard of the Rapungi district before. I, I'm a big true crime buff. And one of my favorite uh, true crime podcasts is called Case File. And they did an episode um, about this woman who was abducted and she was one of those girls who was paid i think she was actually a westerner there a westerner and she was paid to basically do that for um for japanese men because they they found her more attractive i guess sure and yeah and she was abducted and there's lots of drama after that but yeah so when you said that i was like is that like the best (laughs) decision of places to go uh, it no was I'm, no, we I know there was there was four of us. <laughs> there were four, three or four guys, and we met a couple of disc golfers out there. And I think we talked to Dave Felberg, and we're like, "Where are, can we go out and have fun for one night?" And he was like, "Well, the one place you got to go, Rapungi, <laughs> because that yeah. is where all the bars are." So we uh, yeah. that was our that was our one choice. Nice. I'm glad you didn't get abducted. Me too. I mean, I'm glad <laughs> no one in my crew got abducted and we were, we were propositioned for a, a, a lot of different things while we were in that area. And it's, they, <laughs> they see Americans and right away they think uh, that we're there for some experience, whether it is something we can do in the U S or can't do in the U S it is, like I said, it is like no place I have been before. So yeah. I wish, I wish I would have a larger view of Tokyo in general, but my view is very myopic with that particular city right now i'll go back though i'll bring my wife this time and we'll have a lot of fun good all right let's pick a food you're a vegetarian or vegan vegetarian vegetarian all right yeah so like pick a food spaghetti hamburger out hot dog out (laughs) pizza ice cream or lemons lemons Uh, lemon who's some i don't and then again there are (laughs) there are vegetarian versions of uh, hamburgers and hot dogs so i guess we could We'll throw that in there as, as that option. But lemons of all things. Like, who who chose lemon? Who chose lemons? I, I, I don't know who's just going to sit down <laughs> for a tasty lemon, just slice it in half and take a nice healthy bite out of one. Ugh. Yeah. Seems like an odd choice. Um, 
man. So yeah, I eat a lot of uh, veggie burgers and there's also these delicious vital wheat gluten sausages. I know that does not sound appetizing. It does at all. not sound but appetizing, but I'll you haven't you. eaten. Yeah, I haven't eaten meat in like 13 years, so I have zero reference point for what meat is supposed to taste like or feel like at this point. So it's good and it's good uh, relative to the other things that I eat, I guess. But uh, pizza and ice cream are my two downfalls. If I'm if I want to eat something unhealthy, my immediate reaction is to get pizza followed by ice cream. So that's a hard that's a hard decision between the two of those. But I'm going to choose ice cream partly because so there's lots of uh the low calorie ice creams right now, like Halo Top and there's a couple other ones and some of them are pure garbage. Like they taste disgusting. <laughs> but there's a couple of them that are doing it really well and a few that are um almond milk based which I really like. So I feel like ice cream is kind of straddling the line between unhealthy and not so unhealthy <laughs> and what kind what kind of ice cream i know we had this uh conversation with <laughs> hannah and you reached out to her saying that you can't be friends because hannah said i believe so, it was something along the lines of who would order just vanilla ice cream yeah she offended, vanilla. <laughs> she offended me deeply she offended me deeply um no i i do love vanilla if it's a choice between vanilla chocolate and strawberry it's vanilla all day Same but here. i really like um different just in general like different consistencies in my food so lots of crunch or texture or chunks of something so my favorite ice cream i think is fish food partly because i like the band fish but also because there's you know the little the little chunks of fish chocolate covered and there's just lots of different surprises in there or something with like a ripple or chunks of cookies like anything like that all right, chunks of yeah, chunks of cookies and ice cream. That's always pretty good. Like a, yeah. a, an Oreo or you go generic, the Hydrox or I'm, <laughs> I'm I'm a fan of uh, Reese's peanut butter cups in my or oh. Reese's. Both yes. of those are really good. Yes, but me too. Not nerds. Ugh. Ugh. No, no one should n- nerds should never be eaten in general, but never put in ice cream because they just get really frozen and hard. Nobody wants. Yeah. That. No, it's gross. All right, let's pick a drink: lemonade, water, coffee. Milk, tea, or Red Bull? I don't think I've ever had a Red Bull in my life. I've had one, and it was because I ordered, someone ordered me a mixed drink at a bar, and it was a okay. Red Bull and vodka. So it was I slam it and go, and I think it's the only time I've ever had a Red Bull. <laughs> yeah. I've had Monsters before. If I can't get coffee, and I really need a little surge of caffeine, then I'll get uh, one of the sugar-free Monsters, but it would not be my first choice of drinks. Let's see. Milk, no. Water. I drink water like a fiend, but I don't love it. I just do it because I feel like I have to. Lemonade, not really. I do like tea, but I'm not, I'm not, you know, with those like obsessive tea drinkers who just have, you know, 13 different types of tea in their cupboard. Yes. I don't, I'm not like that. Is that you? No, that I don't. Okay. I, I don't drink no. tea. I'm not a big fan of hot drinks in general. Uh, okay. Even my hot chocolate, I let get to a warm chocolate before I drink it. Hot drinks don't do anything for me. Did you know, do you go to Starbucks ever? I'm sure they do this at other coffee places too. I, I mean, I've, but, I have been to Starbucks. It's not a place okay. I particularly, my wife goes there frequently, but. Yeah. Well, you can order uh, hot drinks at child temperature. 
I found this out a couple of years ago. And it's just, I don't know how they do it. Maybe they just throw some ice cubes in it or something. But yeah, you can order any any hot beverage at child temp. That seems a little demeaning. Like, <laughs> like oh, here, I'm an adult. Can I order it for the child temperature? Come up with a better <laughs> name. Starbucks has, Starbucks has all these great names for their giant uh, grandes and all, all these different crazy names. Come up with a better name than child temperature. <laughs> Why not just like low temp? Yeah. Or like medium temperature. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, but speaking of Starbucks, I'm going to choose coffee. I love coffee and I love iced coffee even more to the point where uh, when I used to live in Columbia, South Carolina, it was, it's a much smaller city than Nashville is. And every there's a couple weeks that every day on my way to work, I would just go to a different coffee shop along the way and get their iced coffee. And I was trying to find the, the best iced coffee in the city. And I found my favorite, which was just like a small local mom and pa type shop. And the key, I do this at home now, is I make my own coffee ice cubes so that when you put ice in the hot coffee or just in uh, room temperature coffee, it doesn't dilute it. Yep, no watering down. So, yeah, so it just gives you like that. an extra surge of caffeine. It was it was genius. That that's yeah. My I, I didn't realize, but my my wife does do that on occasion. She'll freeze nice. leftover coffee. And then have it for a day or two later when she always hot, hot coffee is not her gig either. So she'll drop a, usually an ice cube or two. But if she has it, it's the frozen coffee she'll yeah in there. It's genius. It, it is. That is very clever because some of the time I, I have a lot of ice cubes with different drinks and it is always a, a watering down fact. Yeah. So we talked about your some that you think you might <laughs> be a sometimes why. Which vowel would you want your significant other to be? If you're a vowel and you have to pick another vowel, <laughs> do you go with the A, E, I, O, U, or sometimes Y? I would like for him also to be a sometimes Y, to keep up with my sometimes Y. Like, I can't be a flexible, non-traditional, pers- chameleon-type person, and then my partner not be. That would That would be a pretty short relationship. Do you think Sean, Sean clearly fits that? Oh, for sure. Everyone calls him uh, the most interesting man in the world. So I, not everyone, a few, a few key people in our life. <laughs> have, I can see that. that. I've, I've then, met Sean quite a few times. He's a wonderful guy and very smart. Yeah. And it is, uh, he, he usually has a pretty good story to go along with almost any situation. Yes. That's, I think, uh, so a lot of my friends, a lot of our friends that we hang out with in Nashville are closer to my age. And it's funny because so he's a little bit older than me, as you probably know, and he's got a lot more life experience and know how than a lot of the a lot of my guy friends will say. And so they'll come to him for uh, like handyman advice or just all all sorts of crazy stuff, because. I've just heard so many times like, man, I wish I knew what Sean knew or wish I wish I did what Sean did. I'm like, yeah, he's got like 15 years on you. Like you can do all of those things and learn all of those things in the next 15 years. So a lot of it, like he's extremely smart, but a lot of it's just using his resources and finding things out for himself instead of relying on other people to do it. So. Yeah, I know yeah. he's very, he's very hands-on. He's very resourceful. He's fixed up a few houses, from my understanding, and he is. I can see him being uh, very good to have around the house for sure. Oh my gosh, I don't know how to do anything beyond <laughs> hanging a picture. 
So he, he does everything else. And I'm, I try to tell him on a weekly basis how grateful I am because I've, I've got single friends and friends with uh, significant others who do not know how to do all the things that Sean does. And they are either calling him or paying tons of money for a specialist to come over. And I have the luxury of having a handyman that lives with me. So it's, I'm pretty lucky. Rent out his time. That's all you have to do. Make a business <laughs> yeah, of it. Exactly. All right. We got our final, final question. But before we find out which vowel you are, pick your, you're in Nashville. So pick your go-to karaoke song. I'm sure the one that you would pick is not on here. Cause I've heard you no. sing and you're a fantastic <laughs> singer and you play guitar oh, or you. ukulele, ukulele, I'm sure as well. Guitar. Uh, yeah, yeah. Guitar. Uh, <laughs> do you go with party in the USA? Don't stop believing. Bohemian Rhapsody, Firework, Mamma Mia, or Sicko Mode? Okay. Am I going to be really lame if I ask what Sicko Mode is? No, because I don't know. Can we Google this right quick? We can. Hold on. Sicko Mode song. We are finding out what Sicko Mode is. Travis Travis Scott. Scott. Oh, okay. I know this song. Oh, do you? Okay. She's in love but with I who I am. Back in high school, I used to bus it to the dance. Yeah. Now I hit the FBO with duffels in my hands. <laughs> Travis Scott featuring Drake. Yeah, I know that song. It's it's definitely not that song, though. Um, <laughs> my, go, my actual go-to karaoke song is Criminal by Fiona Apple. So that I didn't mean, make the list, obviously. No, that's... Yeah, that's um, uh, that's not a traditional. No, it's kind <laughs> of an angry song. song. I don't it, want it to. It, I just I, Fiona Apple is like my hero, so I I just love singing that song. But uh, hmm, I think Bohemian Rhapsody would be a fun group sing along in a karaoke setting. Have you seen the new <laughs> Queen movie at all? I have not. Did you see it? I heard no. mixed reviews on it. That's what I heard as well. It was in, I had the opportunity. I flew to Florida uh, last week and it was one of the in-flight options, but I was having an issue with the earbuds and Hmm. I wasn't willing to pay an additional amount of money for more earbuds. So I just said, yeah, I did catch bits and pieces of it because it seemed like almost everyone in front of me was watching (laughs) it. So I could look at like four different seats and see four different parts of the movie. And I think I I had to piece it together based on who started (laughs) theirs first and second, but yeah, from me reading subtitles, it looked like an okay movie. <laughs> he looks a lot like uh, Freddie Mercury, that's for sure. Yeah. Oh, funny thing about that. We were just in uh, Zanzibar. Um, it's part of Tanzania in Africa. And they they have this little house in the middle of Stonetown, which is like the cultural epicenter of, of uh, Zanzibar. And they promote that... Freddie Mercury used to live on like on the island, but then we did some research and I guess he was born there, but then left shortly after he was born and didn't really funny because there's like tours based around like, Oh, this is Freddie Mercury's house. When really he was, he was barely there. He was just, yeah, just, that was kind of funny. Just enough to uh, be able to take a few steps and leave probably. Exactly. Um, yeah, so let's go with Bohemian Rhapsody. All right. To find out which vowel you are, you got O. O? O. There's no All description. Right. It just says you got O. <laughs> oh, 
right. I'm not, I think that might have been my second choice after sometimes why. <laughs> I'm my blood type is O negative. So that kind of make I'm trying to justify it here. Yeah, I have close no enough. Idea. I mean, that's ultimately <laughs> again, it's all it's all science. It's all it's yes. irrefutable. But you got O. I'll put this on my resume. Yeah, what vowel are you? I'm an O. I'm an O. <laughs> yeah, that's Wait. really, there's no description. No, normally these, and I'm, I'm surprised I've never, I haven't taken these quizzes myself. I, I usually want to be surprised, but you're right. Normally they give you an answer and they give you this, you know, uh, half a paragraph description like, oh, you chose O because you are <laughs> great with people and you're constantly laughing or something along those lines. Yeah. But you got nothing. Just, you got O. I got O. All right. Well, that's good to know. I mean, I was, I've been wondering that for years, so. <laughs> we now we've solved, we've solved another mystery of the universe and yes. we know that Sarah Lamberson is an O. <laughs> Let's move on to our next quiz. Which iconic TV slash movie teacher are you? Oh, I, this one should be interesting. It. I know you're not a teacher, but for some reason I get this teacher vibe off of you. Which is why, yeah. I pick, which is why I picked this one. I think you're, uh, I think you would have a lot of patience with people, and uh, I, I think you could be a very good teacher. I don't know. Uh, I, I know you're in marketing of some sort. Yeah, that's funny because my my initial my original major going to college was music education, so that was kind of my my dream was always to be the music teacher at my elementary school, <laughs> back outside of Philadelphia. And yeah, after a couple right of years, I decided to change. I just so I was a classical piano major and uh, played bass clarinet and sang. And after a couple of years, I the joy kind of uh, kind of uh, left just from having to play certain pieces and perform at certain times and certain in front of certain people. And it just it wasn't for me. And I knew that if I had to do that as a career i would just i would hate it so yeah but i like to teach otherwise i mean uh i like to teach disc golf clinics and one-on-one lessons things like that yeah you've been putting out videos of your form a lot lately of the improvements the little things that you've been doing and i've been watching i've been watching those when i get the chance and it's it's fun to see progress in other people as obviously everyone see progress in themselves so and if you always think if, if they can do it i can do it yeah, definitely. So can you name any TV movie teachers, TV slash movie teachers? Who who comes to mind when we think of that? The only thing that's coming to mind is, because um, Sean and I just talked about this, is Vice Principals. Have you ever watched that show? I haven't watched it yet. It's, uh, I've only watched a couple episodes, but it's with, oh my God, I'm totally blanking. I'm going to have to Google this. Danny McBride? Yes, Danny McBride. I've, I've he's seen like the most bits crude and, and obnoxious person ever, but he's hilarious in the show. Did you ever watch Kenny Powers? Yes. Yeah. The, the first season yeah. of that, I think, is classic. It's great. After that, I think it kind of slides a bit, but that first season was gold, and he, he plays <laughs> the best worst person. <laughs> well, that's exactly what his character is on the show, too, so... Uh oh the other thing the other one is um have you ever seen the Goldbergs? I not I'm not a no, I can't say I'm not a fan of it. I just haven't seen it, but I have seen it yeah. on TV. Okay. Well, it's it's extra funny to me because it's set um 
in a town outside of Philadelphia called Jenkintown. And it's pretty close to where I grew up and where my whole family lives right now. But so it's a, it's a family of three and the mom is just like the most Velcro mother. What do they call that? A smother? Uh, She's the smotheriest smother you've ever experienced. Yeah. Yeah. And once so at one point all three of her kids are all in high school at the same time and she's like guess what i did and she became a sub a substitute teacher so that she could still be with all of her kids and substitute (laughs) in their classes (laughs) and she knows all their teachers and she just like snoops around and pokes her head into classrooms and all that so uh yeah those are my the two things that come to mind (laughs) of course i'm going to date myself here and when i think of uh, a teacher I think of like Mr. McFeeny from Boy Meets World. Oh, that's yeah. he's a great, inspiring teacher. Y- yeah, and yeah. that's. But other than that, I was I was racking my brain, and I can't think of any really notable uh, teachers in. Or maybe I mean Indiana Jones is a professor. That's so true. Maybe that would work. Well, let's yeah. find out which teacher, which iconic teacher, uh, you most fit with. Our first question. Okay. When a student walks into your classroom, how will they feel? Excited, tentative, calm, anxious, or uneasy? Hmm. I definitely don't want them to feel anxious, uneasy, or tentative. I mean, I are do teachers want their students to feel that way? Like to to fear them? I, hope I wouldn't not. think. I wouldn't think on a regular basis you would. There might be particular incidents, times when you would. But not as a, a general feeling of when you walk into a classroom. I would never I would never want to be uneasy walking into a classroom. Yeah. I'm thinking like first day of school type thing. And and the only thing that the kids know about me is from what they've heard from their peers or their older siblings or something. Of course, if there's a test, obviously they might feel anxious or uneasy. But on an ev- everyday basis, like baseline, I don't want them to feel that way. That's terrible. Um I would like to say calm because excited gives me anxiety. Like I have to make every day like super exciting and have like all these things up my sleeve. And how do you top it may not the be previous week? Every week you're looking to improve and top it. So, so they're always really excited to get there. All right. Calm. Yeah. That's a, that's Both a pretty calm. good baseline. I think for your classroom. Yeah. If your students don't understand a topic, how would you go about <laughs> reteaching it? Panic and just move on. Show the class a new way to understand it. Try and find a real world example to relate it to. Ignore them because your teaching is perfect. <laughs> Deep sigh and just go through it again. Um, all right. I really hope none of my coworkers are going to listen to this. <laughs> but so you mentioned that I do marketing. So I do. I work remotely and it's for a company out of Greenville, South Carolina, but we're a national company. and. I support the sales team. Uh, and so every every chance that I can get, I'm trying to find more efficiencies to um, market for them to so that they can get more meetings with hospital ex- executives so that we can implement more more of our programs. Um, and I'm, I'm just always trying to find different pieces of software or different tools, tips, all sorts of things. And with that comes lots of training and guidance. So just this past week, I found 
you know, when you do a mail merge, like if you have 500, yeah, 500 pieces of pull, them, pull the contacts into a spreadsheet and um, have all the, the contact information show up in the envelope when you print it. I'm a king. I'm the king of mail merges. My wife. Yeah. It's, it's one of the things she loves most about me is my Excel skills. Ooh, nice. Yeah. That's a great skill to have. Yeah. Well, so I found out that you can actually do an email merge through Outlook. So I send uh, marketing emails on their behalf out of our email marketing platform. Um, and it'll go to a couple thousand people to try to get them meetings with these hospital executives. And there's there's some instances where it doesn't warrant me sending the emails because it's just too few people, like maybe 50 people. But it would also take them a really long time to send individual customized emails out of Outlook. So I was like, oh, I wonder if there's any way. This is sorry. This is like the most roundabout answer ever. <laughs> no, it's okay. I, I feel like I teach on an everyday basis because of my job. <laughs> so so I learned how to do this and then had to turn around and teach it to them. And there's a few people on my team that are not as tech savvy. and. I have to reteach it to them over and over and over again. And so the way that I go about this is I do a lot of complaining to my, my work <laughs> wife who totally understands she, she's also remote. She lives in Asheville. And, uh, and then, so I don't panic and move on. Let's see. I don't sigh and just go through it again. I don't ignore them because I would probably get fired. Um, I try, I guess I try to look for a new way for them to understand it. I, and, and the way that I do that initially, I try to get ahead of it initially. I'm like, okay, I know this person is more of a hands-on learner. So I'm going to jump on Skype and share my screen and show, show him how to do it. Like step-by-step. I know this person is better like reading a guide, like a training guide on how to do it. So I'm going to create a training guide for her. So I try to, I've learned all of their uh, kind of nuances over the past two years and try to get ahead of a little bit more, but there's still a lot of reteaching that has to be done. I completely understand. I'm an IT manager and of a relatively medium sized company and I'm a small department. So I'm constantly trying to teach people how to do different things. You know, whether it's something simple, like, Oh, here, this is how you use Google docs or, Oh my you want, gosh, you, you want to set up an email filter. Well, here, let me show you how to do that. And inevitably, you're right. You get some people that it takes them four, five, six times. And there's some people I can just send an email with the the most sparse instructions, like uh, click the gear, go to filter, hit this and do it. And they, they walk right through it. So yeah. it's nice that I you're just, able. I just did that, but it was with Google Forms and then setting up a filter. So it would go to their work email instead of their Google email. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's... <laughs> The struggle uh, is real. The struggle is real. So you're going to show the class a new way to understand it. Yes. How would your classroom look? Uh, we have five different options. Yeah, it's only five. Uh, one is bright yellow. Zoom in here a little bit so okay. maybe you get a better look. Uh, it looks like really, it almost looks like a kindergarten class, like a bright yellow type class. The other is your typical middle school classroom the third picture, it looks more like a kindergarten class where the teacher is down doing uh, arts and crafts. The fourth one is more of a college environment, more professor. And the fifth one looks like it's your typical, 
I would say maybe what you would see on like a community college or what I yeah. would imagine that would be on TV from what I've seen. Hmm. So I'm immediately attracted to the second one, top middle, that looks kind of like a middle school classroom because I'm, I hate clutter and it just looks really like clean and sleek to me. But then I'm thinking, are they asking what, what the classroom would physically look like or what kind of, uh, like what grade would you be teaching? Because there's obvious differences. So the there's two that have people in it and one is a, obviously like a college professor and the other looks like a kindergarten teacher. So I guess it's all up to interpretation, huh? Yeah, you get it. You get to pick what uh, what your environment of teaching would be. Yeah. Hmm. I'm gonna go with the top middle one. All right. Call me boring. No, it's fine. Call typi- me vanilla. Yeah. <laughs> your typical <laughs> middle school kids sit down in a chair. They don't have those slide in desks anymore because they're all going through puberty and they're all too big for those anyway. It's <laughs> yeah. uh, it's a it's a chair and a desk. Uh, and everyone moves on. There's yeah, these desks have no place to store things. It looks like it's just you throw your back. There's a nice, on the but there's also a nice wood floor, and the classroom itself looks very sleek and clean. It does look very clean. It doesn't look like anyone's ever written on that chalkboard. Yes, exactly. <laughs> what kind of assessments would you give your students? Multiple choice or binary? Short answer or essay? Give the students three options. Students construct or produce something. Uh, portfolio of the students' work over time. Oh, student What's portfolio of the students' work over time. Oh, I think okay. it's supposed to be two Thanks. words. Oh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Well, I I don't like things that are black and white. So the multiple choice, no. Three answers or three options, no. Um. I hated doing port. I've done hella portfolios. Am I allowed to say that? Yeah. No. This okay. is this podcast is open to anything. I yeah, I am with you. Oh, I can I, curse because it's, un- it's not sanctioned. Yeah. Yes. It's it, it's it it is it is fucking unsanctioned. We can say whatever <laughs> we want. No, I hear you. I was when I first went to college. I was an architecture major. We had to do portfolios all the time, and I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. I hated it. <laughs> yeah. I still have some of them because I was like, I'm going to save this for the rest of my life because it took me so long to do and so much printer ink. Ugh, okay, so not that. Creative type. So the, the constructing something or writing a short answer essay draws me in a little bit more. Um, but I'm a more of a writer than a constructor by trade. So let's go with the short answer or essay. Short answer or essay is her answer. When creating a lesson plan, where would you start? I've never created a lesson plan myself, so I have no I haven't idea. either. Figure out the big ideas. Picking a fun activity you would want to do. Pick a field trip that you'd want to go on. You don't need one. You're too good for that. Or what <laughs> lesson plan? Isn't that, aren't those kind of the same thing? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I guess the second to last one's like, you're consciously saying like, yeah, people normally do a lesson plan, but I'm not going to. And the other one's like, wait, I need a lesson plan. <laughs> so, so neither of those. You're clueless about your I'm, job or. <laughs> yeah, I'm a planner, like hardcore. So neither of those. Um, picking a fun activity you would want to do. I'm kind of equating this to being a TD a little bit. 
And hmm. Like the field trip doesn't that that's just kind of a uh that's not a lesson, that's just something that you would do to support the lesson, I feel like. So I don't really understand that one. So you would build the lesson plan around a place that you want to go? I guess. I guess so. Okay. Yeah, if you're going to, like, like when kids, they go to a nature center or something, uh, maybe you are trying to teach them about, you know, specific. Yeah, caterpillars. There you go. I was going to say specific types of animals in an environment. Uh, I was trying to think of a, I was trying to think of a fancy word for that that I know is out there, but I couldn't do it. <laughs> okay. Uh, picking a fun activity you would want to do. See, if, hmm, I think the figure out the big ideas first. Like, I would want to figure out what I want the end result to be. So, what the lesson, the lessons learned need to be, and then figure out the mode of communicating that to them, whether that's a field trip or an activity. Or something else. All right. Figuring out the big yeah. ideas. Yeah. You have students whose reading levels are a little lower than others in the class. How do you vary your teaching? Supply audiobooks for read-alongs. Have students work in small groups. Vary the reading levels of the material. Tell them to keep up. You're a heartless <laughs> teacher. Or hope for the best and keep chugging along. Again, you uh, would be, some people, these, there are some bad teachers out there, apparently. Yeah. Also, these questions are, or these responses are not mixed up in any way. Like the fourth response is always the terrible narcissist. Mm. And the fifth response is just like, I don't know. Like I'm a teacher. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, I really like the audiobook idea. I don't remember ever doing that or having any teachers suggesting that when I went to school. Um, they would have had to have been cassette tapes. I guess, which is funny because I listen to a lot of podcasts and I always say, or I listen to a lot of audiobooks, and I always tell Sean like, oh, I'm listening to a book on tape. <laughs> and he's like, when is the last time you listened to a tape? <laughs> I, I can't even think of the last time I listened to a cassette tape. I think it was yeah. probably about 10 years ago when I was tra- trying to transfer some old cassette tapes to MP3s for my wife. And then yeah. I realized... <laughs> I realized, what am I doing? Just go out and buy the 12 to 14 songs from this old mixtape on <laughs> on wherever it is. It, they're, they're not anything special. Don't be, yeah. a, don't be a dummy. But <laughs> I think I refer to all books, audio books now as audio books or audible books. Audible we have an, books yeah. an audible subscription. So we just right. burn through those. I have to say books on tape because now I just think it's hilarious. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, I like, I think that idea is pretty genius, supplying audiobooks for read-alongs. Because if you, obviously you're going to vary the levels of reading materials or else you're just leaving people in the dust. And the second one, having students work in small groups, if you're not a strong reader, you're probably going to be pretty, pretty intimidated or embarrassed around your peers who are. So I don't think that would be a very healthy and supportive way to help them get better. Yeah, I think it would be difficult to have them work in small groups because do you put all the kids who are having difficulty in one group, do you mix it up and let some of the stronger kids help out the weaker kids, but then you're kind of pushing off your teaching duties off to students who might not want that or yeah. are prepared for that. So I think supplying an audiobook for read-alongs is, I think it's our best solution here. Yeah. How would you apply oh. lifelong learning 
to your teaching. These are some like in-depth questions. I, I should yeah. have, I should have read, <laughs> I should have gone through this one first. There's a Would new you, design too. Yeah. Totally mixed it up on us. Incorporate it into the lesson without students noticing until later on in the year. Emphasize small points throughout your lesson. Ask your students at the end of the year what they learned. Carry on with my regular lessons and show my students how it applies to their lives at the end. Lifelong teachings are the least of my problems. Wow. Again, I hope there's no teachers out there like this. Our teacher number five is a horrible person. Yes. Get out of here. That's terrible. All right. Hmm. Incorporate into the year. I feel like you could. It depends on how you communicate it, because I feel like you could do it in kind of a nagging manner. Like, you know, you're learning these things now. This is important for the rest of your life. And you could just sound like a broken record. So I think if you do it more naturally. um, Yeah, so carry on with my regular lesson and show my students how it applies to their lives at the end. Because I I think if they're if it's not pointed out to them uh, so obviously, then they're kind of surprised. They're like, oh, you're right. Cool. I'm so you that. sum like, up. I'm already doing that. So, yeah, you sum up the whole lesson plan at the end and show them how uh, how it integrates in with their lives. Yeah. I like that one. We have three more questions we're going to get through here. <laughs> yeah. The last one looks fun. How would you make your class interdisciplinary? Oh my God, what are these questions? This is actually created by a teacher, I think. Yeah, this is like your entrance exam for teaching school. I believe after this, we both have a bachelor's in uh, <laughs> in teaching. Yes. How would you make your class interdisciplinary? Okay. You will, you will just teach everything. Oh, <laughs> see, I thought interdisciplinary was like punishment. I think interdisciplinary is like oh, wow. different disciplines of uh, math and reading and this and that. So, all right. Yeah, yeah. Check where other teachers are in their lesson plans. So work with other teachers. Ask students what they are working on in other classes and try to work it into your class. You don't know how to teach your own class, let alone incorporate other <laughs> subjects. Your class is the best, so why focus on other subjects? <laughs> okay, so we know the last two are... Terrible again. Um, let's see. The first one is not realistic. You'll just teach everything. Check where other students are. I. The second and third options are pretty similar. Check where other teachers are in their lesson plans and then ask students what they're working on in other classes. That's kind of just, it's the same thing, just going to a different source. But I would trust other teachers more than I would trust students. So I guess I guess I would go to other teachers and see what, what they're doing and then try to try to make it all tie together. So it all makes sense to the students. Hey little Jimmy, what are you learning in your other class? Uh, how to play blackjack. <laughs> or- how to eat ice cream. <laughs> yeah. All right. Yeah. I definitely don't trust students. How would you use different classroom instruction models? Pick my favorite model and only use that. Pick your three favorite models and rotate them. Fit your instruction model to your objectives. Find models that would best benefit your class or try and use as many models as possible. Hmm. So one, three, and five. We're going to nix those. Pick your, I mean, because 
So just like in marketing, you're not you're not telling people what you want them to know. You're telling people what they need to know or want to know. So you're mar- you're marketing or teaching to to your audience specifically. And those three would not be audience centric or student centric at all. So hmm. And then for the third one, fit your instruction model to your objectives. I like that one the best because it's like the ends justifying the means or is it you you choose how you're going to teach based on what you want them to learn. So let's go with that one. Fit your instruction model to your objectives. Yes. All right. Finally, we get to what these questions I thought they were going to be more of. <laughs> Pick your before. Yeah, yeah. Pick your before work breakfast. Oh my gosh. That is a cup full of nails. <laughs> wow. Coffee and creamer. A smoothie, a green smoothie, chocolate cake, or buttered toast. Oh my gosh. Uh, all right. Interesting choices. Well, hmm. The nails does not entice me at all. Never, never has. So I love coffee, but that's not a, that's not a good breakfast. Like I can't just eat coffee for, drink coffee for breakfast. Cake. I would love to just be able to eat cake, but that's a no, no. And I don't really eat bread. So I guess the only thing left is a smoothie. Do you have smoothies frequently or no? Um, so I do a, it's an, so I get a bag of frozen berries and cherries my favorite thing ever. They're like three pound bags. And I use some of that, some almond milk and then protein powder. And that's if I'm doing like an on the go type breakfast, that's what I'll have. Plus my coffee. All right. So we're finally going to figure out which iconic TV slash movie teacher you are. When we pick smoothie, I was just thinking maybe you'll get Michelle Pfeiffer from. Oh yeah. That's a good one. That one popped in my head as another iconic teacher. Yeah. You got. Mr. Mc- <gasps> Mr. Feeney from Boy Meets World. Hmm. Yes. You have a future in administration. Your students appreciate how your lessons always appear to apply to their personal lives. Your classroom is structured enough that your students always know what's going on, but free enough to have the students get off topic. You're the teacher that students will talk about 20 years after they have you. Oh, my gosh. Or after they do a sequel called Girl Meets World and Mr. McFeeney shows up. (laughs) Well, I guess I should go back to uh, music education. Just, you know, go back to school. If if teaching is anything like that quiz, I don't think so. (laughs) (laughs) Probably a lot harder. It probably is. Wow. All right, everybody. Yeah, good. there you got Mr. You got Mr. Feeney. I can't even imagine what some of the other options are. Maybe for those of you that want to go ahead and go out to BuzzFeed and take a take a look at which TV movie teacher you are and you know, send send us some emails and figure out who did <laughs> who did you get? What are some of the other options? Sarah, wow. where uh this Yeah, this uh this kind of finishes our normal portion of the podcast. Where can people find you and your musings? <laughs> um so I'm on Facebook. I have done a uh, a purge in the past several months, so it's probably not the best place to add me as a friend. Um, but you can also follow me on Instagram at Sarah Lambo, S-A-R-A-L-A-M-B-O. My dogs also have their own Instagram page. 
it's it's a very long name because I felt like I had to incorporate all three of their names. So if you follow me on Instagram, then you can also follow them. And yeah, Instagram is probably the best place. Oh, and also don't forget to subscribe to the PDGA radio podcast. Yeah, that's what I was just about to say. I was going to make sure you go out and listen to Sarah on the PDGA radio podcast that you do with Steve Hill from the PDGA. Yeah, I think we're just hitting our, our one year anniversary this month. So it's been an awesome year. And uh, yeah, I, I'm hoping to be out to some larger tournaments this year. And I'll see some people out there as well. Awesome. We're going to see you in your zebra pants, I'm I'm sure. <laughs> yes. Well, I hope everybody has had a wonderful time figuring out uh, Sarah's insights and what, what vowel she is and what TV <laughs> teacher she turned out to be. If you, like I said, if you want to get a hold of Sarah, she gave you her Instagram and all that other fun stuff. Go and follow her dogs because they're cute. They're cute, cute puppies. <laughs> Thanks. But ultimately, we will continue this on the Patreon feed. So if you are a Patreon supporter, you will, you will see this right away. Otherwise, everybody, thanks for joining us and uh, have a better tomorrow.